When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey everyone, welcome to Comedy Album Book Club. This is Matt, and I'd like to welcome you to our 55th episode and our third year of doing podcasts. This marks a special anniversary. We're circling back to a special album for me, Let's Get Small. Uh, Luba Magnus is our featured panelist who selected the album. Luba is the host of the comedy show All You Need at Comedy Bar, which returns Friday, September the 11th, 2020. We are also joined by Yao Atwe, a stand-up and improv and sketch comedian, all-around amazingly funny human being. Uh, and we discuss their unique takes on this album that really helped inform all three of our comedy experiences. Um, this is a special uh, episode as well because it is the last episode of Comedy Album Book Club. Uh, first, I want to thank Jason DeLine and Neil Jones. Um, Neil, who joined us on the first few episodes, and Jason, who is the host for most of the three years, uh, who brought me in and uh, helped me really understand how much I love comedy. Uh, over the past three years, I've got to know so many amazing and incredible people. I've had these terrific conversations. And uh, this has let me understand how much comedy is important in my life. Uh, so while this is our last episode in its current form, please stick around, stay, stay subscribed. We'll be coming back with one-off episodes, uh, special uh, conversations, as well as returning down the road in a new form uh, once we've been able to sort of put everything in a row. Uh, but for the time being, I'm going to be focusing on my own uh, material. And that's one of the most amazing things about this show. It's helped me learn from some of the masters and see uh, and hear the input from some terrific Canadian and international comedians. Anyhow, thank you for joining us on this journey. If you haven't already listened to the album, give it a listen uh, before you start listening to the episode. And please enjoy Steve Martin's Let's Get Small on the Comedy Album Uh, welcome to Comedy Album Book Club. Uh, this week we listened to Steve Martin's Let's Get Small. Um, as always, 
we recommend you listen to the album before listening to our show. That way you can fully appreciate the feedback uh, and discussion. Um, Let's Get Small was first recorded at the boarding house in San Francisco in 1976 and released in 1977. Um, our other artists who performed there were Robin Williams, Lenny Bruce, Barbara Streisand. Um, Steve Martin recorded uh, four comedy albums, Let's Get Small, A Wild and Crazy Guy, Comedy's Not Pretty, and The Steve Martin Brothers, uh, which is half comedy and half bluegrass music, uh, and is actually a really good bluegrass album if you're into bluegrass music. And uh, then after releasing the Steve Martin Brothers album, retired from stand-up comedy for 36 years. Um, now, released in 77, uh, Let's Get Small won the Best Comedy Album Grammy uh, for the 1978 Grammys. It was competing against Saturday Night Live, uh, which released a compilation album of sketches from their first season. Um, Richard Pryor, Ernie Kovacs, and George Carlin. Uh, it went to platinum uh, and number 10 on the Billboard Top 200. Um, Steve Martin was said to, uh, to have said uh, uh, he had done comedy for 18 years, stand-up comedy. Uh, the first 10 are spent learning, the next four are refining, and the final four were in wild success. Uh, he's a magician, a, a, a musician, and a collector of art. He started as a writer uh, with Carl Reiner on the Smothers Brothers. This is also where he made his first uh, television appearance. Um, one of the few appearances where you'll see him with dark hair. It's actually very disconcerting uh, to see. Uh, and he incorporated a lot of his ma magic into that first. He was a, he was a terrible ma magician. And it was actually kind of funny because, I mean, as a kid, he spent his youth working at Disneyland in their magic shop and would, in fact, return over the course of the years to uh, Johnny Carson as the great Flydini uh, doing, doing a magic bit there. Um, yeah, so he, he is a, tr a very interesting character. And today we have Luba Magnus and... Yao Akwe, uh, we're going to talk about uh, Steve Martin's Let's Get Small. So welcome, both of you. Hello, thanks for having us. Hello, everybody. Um, yeah, so, so I guess first, Luba, you, you chose this album. What inspired you to select this album uh, in particular? Um, this was, I'd say, ground zero for me, actually, considering comedy. Uh, as a career. <laughs> um, so back in <laughs> high school, I went to literally just like a vintage store and I found this album in a dollar bin. Uh, I bought it on vinyl for a dollar. Um, and uh, my family still had their old turntable. And I remember my parents, my parents are big comedy fans. And they would always talk about because I grew up with Steve Martin being like the dad and all these like, goofy kind of like so-so comedies you know um and my parents were like oh back in the day he was so funny and me being a teenager I'm like I'm sure he was yeah. um <laughs> so I I bought I bought this album and I when they weren't home I put it on the record player 
and it was completely not at all was I, what I was expecting. Like it turns on, we heard it like it's the intro and then this banjo, this beautiful banjo starts playing. And then he, it's almost like he just started in this like anti-comedy, like making fun of comedy. And I'd never heard anything like that. And I'm obviously yeah. like a big like folk <laughs> music fan and stuff like that. So just to see it all combined and using it's stand up, but it's not stand up. It uses other elements. Just the whole thing. I just fell in love. Yeah. So that's kind awesome. of where it started. Cool. And, and yeah, what was your first exposure to Steve Martin and this this album? Uh, the same thing as Luba. Like the my first real exposure is Father of the Ride. I'm sure a lot of people yeah. saw that. The, the Jerk. Uh, I, all the movie stuff. Uh, then I was told he did stand-up before. And at that time, I oh, I was a big Eddie Murphy fan, so I just found out Eddie Murphy, not just, but I found out Eddie Murphy had done stand-up, and at, at that point, it was, like made sense to me that some actors do stand-up before. Uh, so I looked more into Steve Martin. I have his book, Born Standing Up. I've read that a few times. I, uh, I from my end, when you when I found, now that I'm finding out Luba picked this album, it's not a surprise at all because in my head this whole time I'm thinking this is like right up her alley. This is like <laughs> uh, for me, I because it's not like right up my alley when it comes to like stand up. I can like sit down and appreciate it, which I thoroughly enjoy. It's why I like watching Luba because like I can never do what she does, so I can like just enjoy it instead of like analyze it, which I feel like a lot of comics do for a while they just kind of analyze it so with Steve Martin I was thorough I enjoyed it um I had listened to Wild and Crazy Guy and uh I knew about the Saturday Night Live appearances uh I didn't know that it won the Grammy and beat Richard Pryor and George Carlin that year which is yeah, uh, yeah like that's stiff competition I mean also, I mean, what do awards mean, you know? <laughs> yeah. What do awards mean? You know what? Nothing if you're on that level. Everything if you're trying to get a visa. <laughs> um, so, but at the same time, like, it, it stands up. Like, Steve Martin is that strong comedian. So, like, you just hear those names because everyone who's in comedy says they look up to either Pryor or Carlin. Um, mm. People say Steve Martin. It, I think more people should. Um, uh, but it's just kind of a feat and incredible. It was a fun. Yeah. This is not the first time I've listened to his album. So. Yeah, um, I I find that like Libby, you mentioned the anti-comedy thing. Because like, I mean, this he was sort of coming like big at around the same time. You had other anti-comedy comics like Andy Kaufman, like coming through the scene. Like and during that time, like it's like over the first couple of years of Saturday Night Live, Steve Burton hosted five times. It was the first host to do five five episodes and it's like it's interesting because you can compare like Kaufman does not age at all well like like his material is very at the moment and like you can look at it on the academic level but to, as an enjoyment level it's like there's very little joy to be found in his bits but like Steve Martin I think because there's a core of actually just good comedy writing to it like that it does hold up like, and it's an interesting sort of like anti-comedy can still be comedy kind of thing. Oh um, yeah, and, and like the topic that he's choosing is also relatable um, at the same time. It's such a, it's such a fine line to balance 
between yeah. being alt and also understandable and i try my best to play with that all the time and it's hard um yeah. and yeah it's uh it it ages well and i also think um yeah there's just a lot of joy in it like i listened to um grandmother's song uh that that mm -hmm. bit on this album regularly like it <laughs> you know like it's there's nothing not to like you know it's not yeah. it's 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 got the sweet banjo it literally just goes really absurd like you know like what what do you it's kind of like when you're feeling down or what it or what's I don't know if there's a saying for it, but basically like, oh, if your knee hurts, you, you know, bump your elbow, then you'll start thinking about your elbow, you know, like uh, <laughs> the song, you know, starts as like the sweet song, but then it's just like, uh, go into a closet and suck eggs. Like, what does that even mean? And then you're not thinking about anything anymore, you know? So it's just goofy and strange. And I think maybe that's too why it ages well, because it's not talking about anything in the time, it just really focuses on being goofy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, 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 it's sorry. Sorry, guys. I was gonna say a lot of that is evergreen. It's like it's it's good comedy structure where like it, it, it set, there's a lot of setup and uh, punchline, and the punchlines are not like of the time. They're just like that's a funny non sequitur. Uh, so that's what I was gonna say. That that's what works for me at least. When you're like yeah. uh, a lot of the jokes on the album were like that, where you're just like, oh. Oh, that still makes sense. I still know what an egg is to suck, or you know, like stuff like that seems to work. So, yeah, yeah. I find it it what I like about it too is like he goes into like his jerk character, which I mean he basically transformed into a a movie, mm -hmm. and like these these sort of catchphrases that he. Honestly, it, it, you know, it's funny. There's like almost a symbiotic relationship between him and SNL because it heightened his career in so many ways in those first few years. Mm -hmm. um, but like the, the excuse me and all of that stuff where it's like, it's like jerky, but it's not aggressive in a way. It's like, it's mm -hmm. like, oh, I, he, it's all like, I'm an, I'm an, I'm an, an asshole. Like, ah, yeah. but it's not like really aggressive with the audience. Yeah kind of thing yeah exactly. which i it, find interesting it's yeah it's very much a character it's not yeah it's not too much like you were referencing kaufman before who obviously like i love but this character i think also because we've all seen that comic you know yeah it, that's why it also doesn't feel aggressive it's like well we know that guy <laughs> um <laughs> and the excuse me bit um because i was looking it up i'm like well, this must have been a catchphrase before the album. Like that's how good of a bit it was. Is this is the catchphrase of his caught on from this album. That was the first use of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's how well written it is and how well performed that bit was that it already sounds like a catchphrase. But it's the yeah. first yeah. In, in, incarnation. First yeah. Instance, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Incarnation forever, um, right? Yeah, I yeah. got it. <laughs> Now, um, you, you mentioned the, the grandmother song. Do you, both of you, what, what are your favorite, like, do you have a favorite bit or a favorite joke on this album? I'll let, yeah, I'll go. Oh, geez. Uh, I had a couple. Um, I really liked his started from the bottom bit 
even though at first I was like, ooh, this is not going to age well. Um, but then he, <laughs> then he punched up in a way that I was like, okay, well, you can get away with it for now. But it also made me think <laughs> of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I started from the bottom. I started as a poor black kid, um, which at this time, I feel like if it wasn't 2020, if it was 2019, you'd be like, yeah, but 2020 is making us really think about uh, stuff like that. So at first, like my, not my first listen, the last time I listened before and I took a step back for a second, and I was like, oh yeah, this bit. And I was like, oh yeah, that's how he ends it. And I, I became a weatherman. I, stuff that makes me giggle, even though like, I'm not thinking about Al Roker at the time. I'm, I'm thinking about both weathermen. Um, it shortened my penis, stuff like that. Uh, so I really, I really enjoyed that. Um, there's another one that's like eluding me because that one's at the top of my head. Come back to me. Yeah. <laughs> there's another non sequitur one where he's like, I, I do like the showbiz one and stuff like the light and the gradual build to anger to the jerk character. I didn't know. I had to look that up too to be like, was the jerk out before this? Like, because they cheered. They they were like, it was yeah. a little choppy at the bit waiting for that, like, excuse me punchline. Um, yeah. So the check, like, I didn't, I thought the jerk came first when I first listened. Yeah. And Luba, you have a, any other favorite bits? Um, let's see. I mean, obviously the first one, the rambling guy, just because it's, that's what throws you into it. Um, I also like the one bit. Uh, oh, I, I I forget even the setup. Was it the one where he's mad at his mother, and then it ends with "so I shot her"? Like it's oh, a, oh no, that that's his. The, the, that's yeah, his, his, his girlfriend. girlfriend. That's right, his girlfriend. His girlfriend that he met. Such a like. It's such a regular build, and then such a pop where it's like. And it's also the kind of punchline where you're like, oh, wait a minute. And then you're like, oh, that's just so dumb. You can't be mad at it. <laughs> yeah. um, that was yeah. the one I was looking for. The, okay. the, this, that, because the setup for that is like, everyone I feel like is on edge about the whole drinking and driving thing. And so it was like yeah. with us, like, oh, and I was drinking. I said, no, I was drinking. I said, no. And so I feel like, because that was one of the ones that was thinking, oh, that would play well today because we just have such a heightened awareness of it. I didn't know how well it played back then, and it does. Like, you could feel the tension in there. And then when yeah. as, so I shot her instead of, like, what everyone's holding their breath and clutching their pearls for, thinking that he drove home drunk. They were just like, it's like, it's, it's both like a, a twist on it and a, like, a relief, a release all at the same time. That's what I really liked about that bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now there there are some bits that are pro- would be problematic today or are are problematic. Mm-hmm. Um like the the starting from the bottom or the the Native American folk song. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I find like when I and, and like I'd like to hear your feedback on this. I find when I listen to them though like they the setup is problematic but the punchline he he always seems to twist it around to make himself the target so yeah. it's not like or the audience like the like a lot of that stuff like a lot of it feels like you guys are assholes and i'm making fun of you for laughing at this right now yeah. because i'm making fun of me for making this joke kind of thing so it's like it's a very deconstructionist kind of 
in, like self-reflective comedy I find like that keeps it vibrant and keeps it like able to work yeah yeah it's it's it pretty much exactly what you said where yeah he's he's making fun of how bad it is I still don't think like I'm sure someone would do it today but I think it would yeah, yeah. so it's it's it literally has to take the consciousness of what was he trying to do in that time? Um, yeah. Yeah. Like I, I don't think I'd enjoy anyone singing the Native American, you know, like e even in whatever context, I feel like with, if it's outside of that point of view, I don't think I'd like it today. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's an ongoing, reflection of what was it at that time and what was he trying to say but yeah 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 does that make sense <laughs> yeah. okay i think yeah i think you're right it's important that he doesn't like the punchline doesn't punch as down mm -hmm. um i think that's why we can look at like there's a difference between like some old jokes where you like look at him and they and they punch down and then you feel bad about the whole thing. Where here we're just like, ooh, that doesn't fly now. But it's still, I still laugh at, like, I still get where he's going. Like, that's the evergreenness of it, where, like, even back then he had the, uh, the eyes of not punching down and not, um, yeah, turning around and making himself the target is the same thing. And it, it seems like he's a little bit more worldly and more, aware of it there's the the call out uh to his gay audience members that doesn't age well um but like I, that's a that's another one of those jokes that i could still see being done today just with yeah. the premise of like people are so sensitive as opposed to like are there any here like it's it's one of those like blue jokes that i feel like still would play well today yeah, it really yeah. like the thing I find in sorry, go ahead. Oh no, no, I was just gonna say it depends on who who the comic is saying it, how they're saying it, who their audience is. Yeah, there's so many variables. Um yeah, yeah. yeah. And like like for me with that with that joke, it scans very much as oh, you're all actually hateful because you'll laugh at this when they're not in the room kind of thing which is like very much again it's like he's actually attacking that audience in a way that they don't necessarily see or at least that's how it scans yeah. for me when listening to that material yeah because he's in that asshole character while he's doing it so he's yeah very yeah. much making fun of comics who would be seriously doing that <laughs> yeah yeah and I, I mean i think it's that it was an interesting time in comedy too because you had it's sort of like the end of that like era of very like clean straight laced comedy it was still coming to an end like lenny bruce was you know gone and like so there's like this upheaval in comedy at the, that time so you have these very firm structures of what is comedy and then you have like this and like this entire movement and i i, I don't like with him, uh, like his material is so meticulously planned out. Like there's no, it seems very natural, but like he, he 
he make writes his jokes like he was planning a magic trick where every movement, every vocalization is very deliberate. And I find that sort of like interesting to watch and listen to. Um, yeah, like I, I saw him perform with Martin Short uh, the last time they came through Toronto. Um, and I was, I was so, I, I, my, my wife got me the tickets. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. It's like, so we, we watched and it's like, it's just like watching him is like watching somebody like do a, do a dance. It's just, it's, it's brilliant because it's like everything is so natural but you know he's got that planned out like all in his head and he knows how to make it seem seem just like just effortless mm -hmm. yeah especially that, when, yeah i just find that really interesting yeah especially when his act has so much chaos <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah like one one of the things i found interesting about this too is like it's an album but there are so many act outs and and physical bits in it. Do you feel that was like a deliberate choice on his part to sort of mess with the the listener? Yeah, yeah, and also um, to play with the audience. You know, if you're just at what if you're just one note the whole time throughout. Yeah, I don't know. He keeps them on their toes for sure. Like it goes between banjos, act outs, mm -hmm. um, the everything <laughs> I'm like those, that's only two things but it's still a lot um, and yeah I guess as someone who tries their best to use different medias and different forms of their comedy it's hard it's hard to keep everyone yeah. with you throughout all the ups and downs so the way that he does it is like you're saying it's it's like a, a dance almost it's seamless but he he puts it all together. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like, um, and this comes up a lot between like some of the podcasts I listen to and people I talk to that like the performance, who's the performance for? Uh, so like for a good example is uh, Gerard Carmichael's eight, uh, which I think is a phenomenal special was for the special. Apparently the live audience did not enjoy it nearly as much as everybody else who watched it afterwards where he only considered that. I think in this album, uh, he remembered that he was recording, but he also remembered it was still a live show. And so his material is strong enough for a recording, mm -hmm. uh, but I feel like it's for the live audience, but he also wants the listener to know it's for the live audience. Like he, wants to know the, he wants the listener to know mm -hmm. that like, there's a bunch of things that are going on here that would have enhanced it, but it's still funny enough as an audio recording. And I think, that's the difference mm -hmm. where a lot of people like do like act outs and stuff because like that's how they build their jokes and it's like when you have a live audience it's like easier to make those immediate laughs and they don't really consider the audio um like the listener afterwards or whoever they're recording the album for and i think c martin considered both but he like made sure the yeah. live audience was enhanced first so that's his first love right i guess as a uh, a magician that's like you got to think about who's in front of you first opposed yeah. to everyone else. Yeah. And this is also at a time yeah. where they're not, they don't have Spotify. They're not just going to fast forward to one bit. Like people are listening to this as a full album. So when you're at home, it feels like you're there because you're with it the whole way through. Yeah. 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 It, it's, it was interesting too, because like it, there's a couple of albums where um, I've watched the specials and listened to the albums. Like, 
uh, or in the movie in the case of like, like Sunset Strip, prior Sunset Strip mm -hmm. and uh, Seinfeld's, I can't remember the name of it, um, but it's his last special stand-up special where he burnt all the material and he's like, I'll never do these jokes again, which wasn't really true. He turned around and did them like a decade later, but both of those, if you listen to the album, they are different performances from what's on the special. It's the same material, mm -hmm. but they just will pitch the cadence. Like, uh, so like it's slightly, there's slightly different variants on the bits. It's like different speed and he's giving like different, different pacing versus what's on screen. And I, yeah, I think, I, I think to speak to what Martin was doing, where it's like, it's like, like no, this is my thing. Like, mm -hmm. if you really wanted to see it, you should have been here, kind mm -hmm. of thing. So you're just going to get this and, 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 and deal with it. But it's still good. It's still magic. Yeah. Um, and he still, he still references that it's an album. Like, I think at the end of the grandmother song, he's like, you guys are going to be on a record. <laughs> yeah. Not mine, but one someday, it. maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, something I found really cool, like, the plumber joke is one of those ones that stands out for me because... It, oh, yeah. it's, it's a long joke, and it's it's and it it's essentially like two, a minute and a half, two minutes of nonsense, with the tag being the killer punchline, and it's so funny to me because it's like it's just is 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 this the rapid fire technical terms and on something. He's like, oh, are they supposed to be here tomorrow at at the end kind of thing? And it's like, and it had everybody in just laughing and how much. And I think that comes from his delivery. Like how much power does selling the bit have, do you think? When you get like that kind of nonsense or silliness and just get, how do you get the audience to buy in when you're doing something like that? I think it's, he one, he fully committed to it. And two, I, I do love that bit actually. Because I could feel like everyone is into what he's saying like there's got to be some facial expressions that are involved like the sprocket mm -hmm. like there's like a winks and nods where you're like you're following what the structure of a joke is which is how it works up to that point because he's such a great joke writer um and i feel like people understand what he is doing and they don't need like he could have said anything at that point he could have said like we have a bunch of babies in the audience so i wrote this show for a bunch of babies and then he went goo goo gaga goo goo gaga goo goo and people would just be with him because he's still structuring the joke in a way that people understand. Um, the the tag is is killer to me, but I I thoroughly enjoyed that. That would that joke to me, um, I liked, but it felt like such a live experience joke. Again, that's like one of those jokes that I yeah. I don't feel like I can ever do in my sets. Uh, I could see Luba doing a joke like that and be like. Oh, this is for you. This is just something I'm thinking about right now. Um, but it's something like I can just imagine seeing that live and just enjoying and watching like some people looking around for the plumbers and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, now, now he he really does straddle that like there, there's like the two sides of his energy where there's this very calm. And like almost embracing energy, especially when he's doing like the musical bits, like it's a, the, the it's just there's the kindness in it. And then he, but then on the, the counterpoint to that is that manic 
jerk energy, um, like the spotlight or all of those bits where he's sort of like just the hostility that's there. Like, do you feel it's hard? Like, how hard is like when your experiences with like crowd work and 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 managing uh, a set and like how hard is it to maintain that tension? Like to know, okay, I'm not pulling too far in one way or too far in the other, just to like like walk that tightrope and keep it just perfectly balanced. That's such a big question. <laughs> <laughs> um, practice. Um, uh, I guess um, that kind of leads into what we were talking before. It, you don't want to be the same tone throughout. And you also want to read the audience. Mm -hmm. Like if you're at a super high energy and, and sorry, you'll see this with like, um, I'm trying to think of local comics, someone like Morito, who's like high energy, strong energy, but then he'll take it down. You have to take it down. Even if it starts with just, you know, taking a sip of water, you let them laugh it out and you kind of start over, you know, you, and you mm -hmm. hear Steve Martin kind of do that throughout the album. He'll get these big pops, audience applauds and it also helps that it's music so you get that end of the song like yay you breathe for a second you do a one and a half minute bit and then you build it back up yeah i don't know yeah. it it's a lot of balancing yeah <laughs> I say, if i can if i master that then i it'd be at a different level it, it's the waves the nights that i feel like i i've got that or first of all they're always hosting nights when i'm hosting my show at comedy bar Double down in case uh, you get, I can bring it back anytime soon. Uh, but it's it's an energy that you have, like you feel like it's it's like when you're playing sports. If you're hit. Like, I played a lot of basketball. Mm -hmm. and I start hitting every shot. You just feel it. You like feel that energy, and you're just you just have a swagger and a confidence. You like run down the court differently. Uh, I, I, I feel like that's the same thing. I also feel like he. he backs it up, right? He starts by playing uh, the banjo, which is a difficult instrument to play. And then he plays it well. And then quietly, but loud enough so everyone can hear, he goes, oh, he's really good. And you can't deny it, but it's also <laughs> like not in a tone, yeah. like, it's not in like an arrogant tone that makes you hate him. It's like, it's funny, but it's true. But it's- mm. it's, it's almost like Jim Gaffigan's inner voice. Where it's like, uh, yeah, he has the two voices. That Steve Martin's like, oh, this guy is good. Yeah, <laughs> it's that's Jim Gaffigan. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yes. <laughs> really, yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a certain personality, but it's also a certain confidence and a practice that like you get throughout the years. So like, there mm. there are some comics that can never tell you they're good, even though they are great. Uh, and then after a while, they can tell you they're great, but it took a long time to get to that point to tell you they're great. And Steve Martin is at that point where he's like, oh, you're going to laugh at this. And you laugh at that setup. So, yeah. I really wish and I, I mean, the, the thing I love about his, the, how he incorporates the banjo in this album, too, is it's just, it's constantly, it doesn't feel gimmicky at all. It just feels like an extension of, what he's trying to do like there's some people like oh now i'm gonna play you a song and pulls out but it's just like he's there he's got it and it's just part of the the, the set 
where whereas like I just find you know quite often unless it's a like musical comedy like there's some people who like like Flo and Joan for example who I who I love who do musical comedy whereas it's like it's straight musical comedy and they have their banter but you're there for the songs or it's like he just weaves it in and out so organically like it it it's it's it's, it, it's I've not seen that very often in performances. Mm-hmm. I would um, think of a local now, example, but out, outside of present company, who does it well? Um, what's his name? Dimitri. Uh, Dimitri Martin. Dimitri Martin does that really well too. Mm-hmm. Where he can go through bits and play songs, and it doesn't feel like he's a music comic, or he, he kind of straddles both. Yeah, it's yeah. more just a method to heighten. Yes. Um, now, have have either of you found Steve Martin's um, work informing your own, per, like com- not necessarily performance technique, but e- how you approach comedy in any way? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, what what have you been able to draw from from him? Hmm. I I think. And my method to writing, usually if I'm looking for a spark is I'll just listen to my favorite albums or my favorite bits. So when I listen, even if it's a bit that I've heard a hundred times from this album, it's just a good reminder of what I'm doing it for, you know, like I can write a bit about whatever and then I'll listen to again, like the grandmother sign. I'm like, oh yeah, I need to be silly, you know, like just, you know, it's not just about being funny. I need to amp this up a little bit or whatever it just it reminds it reminds me of where I need to tweak my own stuff to get to the goal that I want to be at yeah so yeah and not just with Steve Martin you know sometimes I'll listen to Dimitri Martin and stuff like that I'm like oh yeah so this is why this is funny it's not just a hack one line it's better or Mitch Hedberg or something like that yeah yeah I think it's fun that you have two different comics on here talking about it um uh, I, I wouldn't say he was my, like, initial, like, my initial inspiration. Like, my initial inspirations are Eddie Murphy and Chris Rock. Um, more Chris Rock than Eddie Murphy. Just, I just don't do voices. Um, but since, like, I was recommended when I started comedy the read Born Standing Up. Mm-hmm. And talk about, like, his meticulous approach to everything. It's not just comedy. It's, like, it's writing. It's... Yeah. Uh, is his magic it's music and i think that is what i'm starting to take from it um it's just like kind of a a, how different approaches i have within my skill set like there are some things i can do um Mm -hmm. can i use all the tools in my skill set to like fully form a whole routine not just one of these bits um and i was kind of reminded about it because i as i said this is like I think this is the third time I've listened to it. Today was the third time I listened to it. But I listened to this like a couple days ago. And then from that, wrote a new bit that I'm very happy with. Um, and it just uh-huh. kind of like made me think, because it's, I had the premise for a while. And then I just thought about different ways of approaching this premise and where I like prop something up, where I put myself down and then I bring myself kind of up to that level, but in a like authentic way. And so mm-hmm. from that, I'm a little bit more inspired, like that 
like studying that approach and applying it to my craft is a little bit more is a little different as opposed to like applying music like i'm not at that level yeah. well I, i've done it before but that's a whole other story <laughs> like like for, from like i'm still a comedy baby <laughs> i think i mean i'm doing the improv for a while and i mean only been doing like open mics probably for about like a little less than a year and for me it's like when i listen to them i like it's i hear like it's the new like the little garnishes that he puts on things that can actually make so much of a difference like when he's talking about he does that pop star bit in vegas and it's like oh there's 57 breasts up on stage and they're wait a second that's not an even number there's 50 that, that doesn't make sense and so it's like this it's like that little the little things can 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 make so is that and it's an eye to detail like you got to think about everything and not necessarily sweat it but just you know find the find the funny in the little parts <laughs> the little things can actually sometimes make a big difference kind of thing um, do you, do you, either of you think there are any people now who are sort of carrying on his tradition of comedy, if you will? Uh, Bo Burnham probably would be the closest. Um, Bo Burnham. Yeah, for sure, Bo Burnham. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I saw Elements. Have you seen Miami Nights by Hannibal Burris? His newest one. He just released it on YouTube. No. no. Element in there, um, where he kind of plays with like different mediums and uh and effects and stuff. Like it's made to be watched. Like it's not a listenable album. There's some punchlines that are like visual. Okay. Um, uh Bo Burnham is like by far the easy example. Kristen Shaw is like mm -hmm. taking some examples. Mm -hmm. Uh Dimitri Martin, as we've mentioned. Uh, yeah, but like the most off-brand of movie, Hannibal vs. Miami Nights. Like, I highly recommend it. But there was a bit in there which he did, and I was like, "Oh, that's that's something I could do." It, I really, <laughs> it's based off a rapper, and so it's great. Nice. Um, now, if if a if somebody came to you and said, "What comedy albums should I listen to?" You would you include this? on that list? Do you think it's an album that people should listen to? Yes, I would say that it's a, um, and even if they don't enjoy it, I think it's an important learning album. Like if I were to teach a class, it would be in the top 10. Yeah. I would fully agree. Cool. As someone who doesn't, as I said, not, not this vein of comedy, if you've ever watched me, um, but I got something from it and Steve Martin is a master. In fact, he teaches a master class. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, have a, I have a friend who took that and, it, and I'm like so jealous. I wanted to, uh, I want that like pretend five minutes with Steve Martin. That they, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'll, re I'll read your work and I'll get back to you. I'm like, no, you're not reading it. <laughs> but, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, okay, so before like, any last thoughts? Uh, let's start with you, Luba. Any last thoughts on the album? Anything like you'd like to say or highlight about it before we wrap up? Um, no, I I like it. I I still have the record, and I I when I throw it on the turntable, it's a good feeling. 
Yeah. <laughs> and Yao? Um, I think everyone should listen to it, even if you are, uh, if you're a super edgy real comic. If you're a comedian, listen to it. If you like comedy, listen to it. Uh, you'll enjoy it. It, it. it may not end up being your cup of tea, but you'll still enjoy it. And I think that's an important thing. Cool. All right. So if people wanted to see you perform or see your your work, where can they find you both online? Um, so I have uh, my YouTube channel where I have some stand up and also a lot of cartoons and um, some other videos that I make. So youtube.com slash lubamagnus for everything. Um, also in that, um, the animation subsect is called Drawn Up, which is also a live show that I run. So you can follow me on Instagram, uh, at Drawn Up Comedy. Um, and then at Luba Magnus on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Uh, so you could find me on all the social medias. So your Twitter, your Instagram, your Facebook at Yao Experience. That's Y-A-W Experience. Uh, so your favorite website, backslash Yao Experience. Uh, and then go to yaoexperience.com where you can see whenever I'm doing shows, I usually post them up there. Um, hopefully I can fill that out soon. But I also have some fun writings that I put up there and stuff like that. So yeah, find me there. All right. Terrific. Well, I want to thank you both for being on the show and talking about Steve Martin's Let's Get Small. 